Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. On June 6, 1996, in a suburb of Dallas, Texas, there was a crime of unprecedented horror. An intruder entered this home and attacked two young children along with their mother. Police hoped that science would lead them to the assailant. Darren and Darlie Routier were a young couple in their mid-twenties with three children, six-year-old Devin, five-year-old Damon, and eight-month-old Drake. Darren Routier was a successful entrepreneur. Darlie stayed at home to care for the children. This was a young couple who had made good. Darren uh, owned his own business in 1995. He had made close to $300,000 in his business. He repaired mainframe computers, had some extensive contracts with government agencies. On the night of the attack, Darren Routier was asleep upstairs with eight-month-old Drake. Downstairs in the family room, the two older boys fell asleep watching television. Their mother, Darlie, was asleep on the sofa. Around 2.30 in the morning, an intruder stabbed the children. Then woke Darlie, who felt a knife at her throat. After a brief struggle, the intruder fled, and Darlie called police. 6-year-old Devin was dead. 5-year-old Damon was barely alive. But he died en route to the hospital. Darlie was taken into surgery to repair her neck wound, which missed her carotid artery by only 2 centimeters. She also suffered a stab wound to her arm. Paramedics noticed that Darlie's panties were missing. When I asked her if she thought she'd been raped, her answer to me was, well, when I woke up, I felt some pressure down there. That was her answer. But a rape test was negative. Darlie described the assailant as a white male about six feet tall, wearing a black shirt, jeans, and a baseball cap. A screen in the Routier's garage had been cut. Darlie said the intruder dropped the murder weapon onto the floor as he fled. In the alley, two houses away, police discovered a bloody sock. The motive did not appear to be robbery. Between the kitchen and the room where the murders occurred, there was 13 rings and a gold lady's watch laying out there. So it indicated to us if it was, in fact, a burglary or a robbery that had gone bad, uh, there was nothing. There was valuables out there uh, to be taken and nothing was disturbed. 
now we don't know why. Now we know that this is a sick individual that took absolutely nothing from our house, but took the most, two most important things that were important to us away from us. The most prominent evidence at the crime scene was blood. Forensic scientists hoped the blood spatter pattern would tell them more about these horrific murders. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When police examined the murder scene, it appeared the assailant entered the Routier home through a screened window in the garage. Darley Routier said she was asleep when the intruder murdered her two boys. Darley woke when she felt a knife to her throat. There was a struggle, and the assailant fled through the garage. Darley said he dropped the murder weapon onto the floor on his way out. Darren Routier said he was asleep upstairs with eight-month-old Drake and woke when he heard glass breaking. When he walked into the family room where the detectives were waiting for him, the first thing out of his mouth was not, how is Damon? How is Darley? It is, have you seen Darley? Isn't she beautiful? And doesn't she have gorgeous breasts? Darren said, you know, I can see why somebody came in good-looking, good-looking blonde, you know, 38 double Ds. Frost thought that was a little strange, too, considering he had just lost both of his sons. And I don't believe at that time he knew for, for a fact if Darley was going to live or not. In the kitchen, police noticed a set of white-handled knives. One space was empty. It appeared the murder weapon, a 10-inch white-handled knife, came from the Routier's own kitchen. The blood drops on the floor were photographed and collected for DNA testing. The size and shape of the blood droplets would be analyzed to see if they were consistent with Darley's version of events. Darley's nightshirt was another important piece of blood evidence. Forensic scientists hoped that it, too, would provide information about the murders. DNA testing of the bloody sock found in the alley revealed the blood was that of the two boys, Devon and Damon. However, police bloodhounds were not able to track the intruder's scent beyond the location of the sock. Why would an intruder leave a murder weapon behind in a house and yet take a sock down the alley? Why would an intruder leave this sock in open view for the police to find instead of disposing of it in a garbage can or down a storm sewer drain? Police found some other inconsistencies. Darley said she chased the intruder through the kitchen and he knocked a wine glass on the floor. But pieces of glass were on top of the blood drops on the floor and there were no cuts on Darley's feet. Underneath the overturned vacuum cleaner was more blood spatter and a wheel impression in the blood. 
It appeared that Darley ran through the kitchen before the glass broke and the vacuum cleaner overturned. On the handle of the vacuum cleaner was a blood stain. DNA test revealed it was Darley's. The blood dripped onto the handle at an 80-degree angle, as if Darley were leaning over the vacuum cleaner. The pattern was not consistent with Darley's running past the vacuum, as she told police. Either Darley Routier was mistaken about what happened in the kitchen, or she knew more about the murders than she was telling police. Spatter expert Tom Bevel was asked to analyze the blood drops found in the Routier home. As co-author of a well-known textbook on blood pattern analysis, it was Bevel's job to interpret the story told by the blood trail. Bevel noticed the blood drops on the kitchen floor were circular in shape, meaning they were deposited by someone standing still or walking very slowly. Darley said she was stabbed on the sofa and, while bleeding, ran through the kitchen after her assailant. But running would have produced blood drops more elliptical in shape, usually with a tail indicating the path and direction of the person running. Darley also told police that the intruder dropped the knife onto the kitchen floor, but Tom Bevel could find no evidence of that. Numerous people, to include myself, uh, examined uh, that floor to try and find uh, evidence of uh, a knife drop, uh, either even pointed straight down or falling on its handle or falling on its side or whatever, and we were unable to, uh, to find anything that would be consistent with that. If it had as much blood on it as it was found, which it would have to, then it should have produced an outline of a knife or evidence of the knife dropping onto the floor, and we simply didn't find that. Barry Dickey is a forensic audio expert assigned to analyze Darley's telephone call to police. In order to conduct his analysis, Dickey isolated Darley's voice by eliminating all of the background noise. In my opinion, Darley had moved from at least three different rooms in the house. And these rooms were moved in a very rapid fashion and she did not stay in any one of the ambiences very long. But if Darley walked briskly in between rooms, this contradicted her story to police. When police interviewed Darley after the murder, she was holding a wet towel to her neck wound. Police wondered if the towel had been used to clean up blood before they arrived. To find out, investigators used luminol, a chemical that glows when sprayed on an area where blood has been removed. Once we darkened the kitchen down and applied the luminol, we were able to see uh, footprints there in front of the sink, uh, which kind of made the hair on the back of our neck stand up. The footprints in front of the kitchen sink were Darley's. On the cabinet beneath the sink, there was visible blood, and luminol revealed that more had been cleaned up before police arrived. The blood evidence in front of the sink indicated to us that someone had bled, had stand there in front of the sink for uh, a significant amount of time bleeding and not moving around. There was blood drops on top of blood drops, 
in the floor in front of the sink. DNA testing revealed the blood belonged to Darley. Prosecutors suspected that it was here where Darley cut her neck and arm. If there was an intruder and he came in, he came in without leaving any evidence of walking through there. Also on the carpet was an unusual blood impression, the distinct outline of the murder weapon. The heavy line of blood near the tip of the blade told forensic experts something important about the killer. The only way that I am aware that you could get uh, something coming off of the knife uh, in, in that manner as we found it would be to have the knife in the hand of a person that is bleeding. In other words, they are uh, contributing blood continuously. Uh, so if you had a wound on this arm with the knife in this hand, with the blood flowing down the arm, ultimately uh, across the hand, and then down the uh, blade of the knife, that will produce uh, that very heavy bleeding that we've got in the front of the knife in the impression. Coincidentally, Darley had a knife wound on her right arm. DNA test revealed that the blood was that of both Damon and Darley, and not that of an unknown assailant. Darley said she picked up the knife from the kitchen floor and put it on the counter. She said nothing about taking it into the family room. No bloody trail, no fingerprints, no uh, trace of a suspect. I mean, Peter Pan came down the chimney maybe and committed the murder, but, or, you know, Tinkerbell or somebody. But uh, we have uh, no evidence of anyone coming through the window, committing the murder, and leaving. Police were now convinced that there was no intruder in the Routier home on the night of the murders. Just eight days after the murders, the Routiers celebrated what would have been Devon's seventh birthday at the cemetery. Family members invited a local television news crew to attend. If you knew Devon and Damon, you would know that they're up in heaven and they're up there having the biggest birthday party that we could ever imagine. And they wouldn't want us to be down here being sad, even though our hearts are breaking. I know that Devin and Damon would want us to be happy. District Attorney Greg Davis watched the celebration on television. I was just sickened by what I saw because it had only been a week since these boys' deaths, and yet we've got a, a, a full-blown birthday party out there at the gravesite. And it really struck me as more than curious. At the Dallas County Institute of Forensic Sciences, Charles Lynch discovered the most damaging piece of evidence contradicting Darley's intruder story. On one of the bread knives from the Routier's kitchen, Lynch found a single fiberglass rod and some rubber dust. The cut window screen in the Routier garage was made of polyvinyl chloride bundles. The interior core of that bundle was composed of fiberglass rods. The fiberglass rod found on the kitchen knife was identical to the fiberglass rods from the Routier screen. Lynch could not find any other source of fiberglass inside the Routier home that was similar. So I was able to eliminate all other sources of fiberglass that I could find as being a source. So 
the conclusion is that a fiberglass rod found on the bread knife may have uh, come from the window screen, but not to the exclusion of all other sources. FBI profiler Alan Brantley was convinced there was no intruder. We have never seen a case where an offender comes from outside the residence, breaks into the home, takes a knife, and then goes back outside the home and cuts the screen to come back in. Those steps, that kind of behavior is just uh, unnecessary to the commission of any kind of an offense unless you're attempting to make the scene look like something you think it should look like or that you want other people to believe occurred. And, and again, that's an element of stage. And on Darley's nightshirt, scientists found cast-off blood spatter on the back right shoulder area. DNA testing revealed that the blood belonged to the two boys. Some of those blood stains are coming in a direction consistent with the movement of the item that was bloodstained. Uh, in my opinion, in this case, the, the knife. As you're drawing the knife backward, the blood is coming off of the end of the knife as it's being drawn backward. And of course, uh, if it's close enough and it's still in an upward flight, it will point in an upward direction with the, uh, the bloodstains. The blood spatter was pointed upwards, consistent with the movement of a bloody knife in Darley's right hand. The forensic evidence all told a story, a story quite different from the one Darley told police. Prosecutors believe that the murders were premeditated and that Darley encouraged the boys to sleep with her that night in the family room. Sometime after 2 a.m., Darley took a bread knife from the kitchen and cut the screen in the garage. She returned the knife to the holder without rinsing the fiberglass residue found later by forensic scientists. Darley used the largest knife she had to murder her two children. Blood spatter on the back right shoulder of her nightshirt placed the murder weapon in Darley's hand. Speculation is that Darley may have removed her panties to suggest the possibility of a sexual assault. Standing at the kitchen sink, Darley turned the knife on herself, slicing both her neck and right arm. Then something unexpected happened. Five-year-old Damon was still alive, crawling through the family room. He was stabbed two more times. The knife impression on the carpet was caused by blood from her arm wound as it dripped over the tip of the knife. The audio analysis of the 911 call reveals that Darley was moving in between rooms quickly as she staged the crime scene and removed some of the blood evidence. Darley's attempt to mislead investigators failed. It's hard to explain it, but these kids were in her way. They were in the way of her lifestyle and her uh, ambitions uh, and what she wanted to do. And 
She simply made a decision that those children would no longer be in her way. Darley Routier was arrested and charged with the murder of her two sons. Darren Routier denied he was involved and no charges were filed against him. Patricia Springer described the possible motive in her book, Flesh and Blood. There is no one reason why Darley Routier did this. It is a combination of things. It had nothing to do with money. It had to do with the multiple births, with the total responsibility. We've learned since then that Darren really didn't help a lot with the children. Darley Routier was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to death. She currently sits on death row, awaiting execution. I think that Darley got exactly what she deserved in this case. Uh, We probably gave her more justice than she deserved in this case. Uh, If you look at the barbaric acts that brought her to that courtroom, we did all that that the system allowed us to do to her. But she richly deserves to be on death row and she richly deserves to be executed one day.